This week's Winefellers is brought to you by the National Alliance of Wine Growers and Distributors. Have you had your two glass of wine today? The Stool Stool, improving your bathroom posture since 2015. The Stool Stool, we're number two. And River of Life Lutheran Church. Sunday services come once a week. How often do you? Welcome to this week's episode of The Winefellers, right here on WHUPLP, Hillsboro, North Carolina. I'm Joe, co-founder of Truebottle.com, your professional source for wine auction prices, and my good feller Mark here, fine wine auction director with Leland Little Auctions. And together, we are the special millennial generation episode of the wine fellers we will host our very own live panel of wine drinking millennials to get their take on the rapidly changing wine industry in hopefully mm, 140 characters or less that and we will listen to some new music from the wine fellers personal archives you don't want to miss this one all of this week's episode of the wine fellers all of it right now but first a very special millennial edition of the wine news welcome to north carolina's only fine wine newscast where your good wine fellers mark and joe discuss real wine stories from this week's news offering you an insider's view into the fascinating and often hilarious world of fine wine, right here on WA. This week on The Wine News, tired of your millennial dinner party guests going on and on about how bored they are with your dull red and white wines? Relax, now you can serve them blue wine. Are you a millennial and wish that your wine in a can wasn't so girly and feminine? Well, your dream has come true with the man can. Concerned there are not enough wine labels being directly demarketed to millennials? Thank the Lord for LMAO Pinot Grigio on the news. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? 
I am doing wonderful. I think I think I'm going to get a knowledge bomb dropped on me today. I know we're going to learn a lot, and I, I really think this is going to be the most exciting Winefellers episode in Winefellers history, without a doubt. And this is incredible. Later on the show, we're going to have a group, a panel of millennials, <laughs> teaching us about why they drink the wines they do. Because honestly, we're confused. You know, I wonder if like a panel of millennials is kind of like the same thing where you've got like a herd of of sheep or a murder of crows, a oh, gaggle Joe. of geese, a panel of millennials. Yeah, they only arrive in panels. I don't know about that, <laughs> but <laughs> well, we're really excited to hear what they have to say. Yes. And, uh, and we're going to learn a lot. I really think we are. So here's the news. <laughs> Tell me, Mark. <laughs> Drop it on the me. The first story. Now, it's all millennial related in honor of our millennial panel coming later today. And it's all true. It's all true. Joe, you might not know this, but millennials or humans falling between the ages of 21 and 38, really like wine. Yes, we have heard this. It's been all in the news. They are like the biggest, uh, they drink more wine That's right. than any generation that has come before them. That's correct. Last year, millennials consumed 160 million cases of it, or 40, 42% of all wine drunk in the U.S. Jeez. I know, but when it comes to wine, the one thing millennials have been gravely lacking until now <laughs> Tell is wine that happens to be bright blue. Oh, my goodness. Following a meager 2,000 years of red and white wines ruling the scene, a couple of years ago, chilled rosé suddenly became all the rage due to younger millennials' uh, wine-drinking tastes. Because of this, the makers of Gick believe that blue wine <laughs> will naturally be the next step. Uh, look... We've been over this before, Mark. Yes. And uh, I'm not sure what else is lined up. What I love about the news is is you keep me in the dark, so you get my true reaction I know. to these things. And the, all the stories are true. Yes. And so we've, we've spoken before here where uh, millennials not only, like you just said, drinking more wine, but, but they're wanting more out of it, like blue wine. Well. And, and, and also, they want... Uh, uh, different flavors That's and right. different different makers. Makers that uh, you know, Chateau Mouton, uh, Chateau Lafitte. It's like they they don't want to have anything to do with them. I know. It's I, like it's, it's, they don't want to have anything to do with those wines. Like we don't want to have anything to do with our dad's record collection. Well, I think that's probably has a lot to do with it. But according to Gick's website. Quote, we do not believe in wine tasting rules, and we don't think that anybody should need to study the Bible of Enology to enjoy a glass of wine. Gick is made from a blend of red and white wine with an added calorie-free sweetener for taste. Oh, God. Oh, boy. This 11.5% Spanish wine has been dyed blue via all-natural plant ingredients. Of course. The makers of Gick make, no, make no secrets <laughs> that the bright blue color is designed to lure younger drinkers. Now, Gick was created mm. by a team of young people with, as the website touts, absolutely no wine tradition and who were born for fun. I just love it. I mean, <laughs> that kind of marketing is just perfect. It's like uh, for that uh, uh, marketing campaign for a soda in the late 90s that never made it to market called Splode. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, no. Yeah, and you'd crack it open, the thing would explode, uh. right? And so... Um, you die in a fiery you know, blast of soda. Um, and, and it wasn't about drinking the soda. No. It was about experiencing the soda. Well, so that's what we're going to learn about today. And we'll ask our millennial panel because, you know, in my generation and generation before, it was all about 
taste. And the fact that wine was blue, I mean, that would be just terrible. That would be just the wrongest thing to do. But the wine, uh, like Gick, you experience blue wine while you're sitting with your friends at a bar. And, 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 and we have talked about this very thing. Mark, tell me, isn't, is it more the wine or is it more the experience that surrounds well, the wine? Well, I think that's what we're going to find out. I think w- what we might find out with the millennial generation, and we don't want to stereotype a whole generation, but we're really going to, <laughs> is that... Um, <laughs> is there that, are five of them, Mark. I know. And two of us. I'm kind of... I'm a little and worried. we're old. I'm a little scared. Okay. So a bottle of Gick, it's just, it's just going to set you back $9, and uh, we'll try to get our hands on some uh, later on. <laughs> <laughs> we should have had some today for them. We should. So their second story. Joe. Yes. In addition to duck nachos, <laughs> millennials really love wine. Great. <laughs> I mean, duck nachos? <laughs> An entrepreneur named Graham Vise, I guess that's how you pronounce his name, respects wine's storied history, hmm. which is one of the reasons he started his own canned wine company called Man Can. Wait, what does duck nachos have to do with the man can oh i don't know i just i just (laughs) you just wanted to get my attention i did man can would have done it i know (laughs) according according to vise millennials enjoy wine but don't want to get caught up in the breakable glass stemware or bogged down by fancy and daunting wine lists i get it man i see where this episode this week is going you do? We're going to lose by the I end of it, so. Mark. According to Visay, we represent a core value of fun. He further went on to say, we're eliminating the notion that wine is a chore. Who thought wine's a chore? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you who thought wine is a chore. First off, consider when you go out to a restaurant. Yeah. Look at the wine list. Uh-huh. It's in a foreign language most well, of the yeah, time. Right. Okay. I see what they're saying. Like, it's what, boring. What, what are these crazy grapes? What you know? Are these French words? Why are they grouped the way they are? I mean, what what is all this? I just want a darn glass of wine. Glick or whatever it's called. Gick. Yeah. Gick. <laughs> just give me some gick. <laughs> Look, don't confuse me with your fancy French wineries. Right. Give me a glass of my blue wine yeah right but but you mentioned a key word here What's that? in this story and that is the word fun mm-hmm. okay now this is a reoccurring theme now yeah i think through so. the gig and through this guy who's making wine in a can fun 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 and that's how you're gonna market it's all we last week we went over some millennial news yeah and we touched upon the fact that like for bachelor parties for example mm-hmm. they like to learn things or, yeah. or they learn to learn like how to macrame Right, that would be a, like a, a bachelor party event. That would be a bachelor party event nowadays, mm-hmm. and so and and so everything is just totally turned on its head now. It is, and and it's about fun and learning and right. I mean, like the song goes, millennials just want to have fun. <laughs> so the owner of Man Can, which happens to be geared more to male millennial wine drinkers, it sounds like it, and quote soccer dads, <laughs> that's what it says, has settled on the slogan: "Crack one open and whack one back." This is all true. Dude, I don't that, make you this up. No. I don't. This is all true wine news. Is this an Australian company? Uh, I'm not sure. Because I'm thinking maybe whack means something yeah. else in, in Australia. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Okay. According to Vise, small pink wine cans are marketed toward women, and there's no reason why men shouldn't have their own brand too. 
Simplifying wine consumption is man can's main inspiration. They say, <laughs> first thought of the idea two years ago upon visiting a bar with a friend. VC wanted wine, but was too tired to come through a wine list. VC <laughs> asked his friend if there was such a thing as canned wine, which led the pair to search their smartphones. <laughs> Not much came up. Okay, so, you know, um, the other week, uh-huh. we started uh, a kind of a special development team here at the Winefellers. We've been, we've been coming up with some good ideas lately. We did, yeah. All right. Um, one was the uh, obviously the um, what do you call it? The sow suit, where you're, you you fill oh. up your jacket with wine, yeah, and then your buddies come and nurse off of you during the football that, game. I think that we discussed that off the air. I think, but that's <laughs> right. We're trying to think of novel things we could uh, sell and so, to so wine we've got drinkers. so we've got some of our sci- top scientists <laughs> on the case top. developing a, a prototype. Yeah. I just had an improvement for another product. What's that? The, uh, it's an improvement to this very product, the man can. I'm listening. When you said whack one back, mm-hmm. I thought of th- it's this imagery of you, just drink this thing as fast as you can, like slam it. Like a shotgun. Shotgun the beer. Yeah. And then I thought about this. What? And the, I, 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 I promise you this is going to happen now that we're, we're saying it. And people all all of the people are listening to us, right? The product research yeah. development teams, yes. they listen to us for the ideas. Here's the idea. You put a small charge at the base of the wine can. <laughs> yeah. That is activated as you open it mm, into your mouth. Yes. And it just blows that beverage right down into your stomach. Yeah. I think the FDA will have no problem with an explosive <laughs> charge <laughs> shooting wine it's down like your throat. Alcohol and firearms together. Yeah, I'm sure that'll just gonna work just <laughs> fine. So <laughs> the man can comes in three flavors red, white, and fizz. Wait, those are the three flavors. <laughs> those are the three Red flavors. Red is a flavor. White is a flavor. And fizz, the flavor fizz. Oh, so, boy. So at four ninety nine a can, how can you go wrong? Well, I'll tell you how you can go wrong. You have bought a, a wine in a can called Man Can, and the <laughs> yeah, flavor is wrong. fizz. <laughs> yeah, you already went wrong. <laughs> I mean, uh, you and I had a, a glass, a can of rosé the other day. Yeah, that was... It was just horrible. It was bloody awful. No, it wasn't rosé. It was the Pinot. Uh-huh. Yeah, And it was, it was just terrible. Yeah. I uh, I think, in the name of science, we should get a can and yeah. try it out. We'll try a can and of also the can. get a second can, and I'll put some, you know, charges at the bottom That's of it. That's a good idea. And then I want to drink this wine. I want to see why this wine tastes so masculine. <laughs> it's not, man. You know this. It's all yeah, about marketing. It's all about marketing. All about marketing. It's the same wine that's going in the paint cans. I know. All right, what's next? All right, the third story. Joe, you might not know this, but millennials like wine. You started this whole segment by saying that. Did I? And millennials <laughs> are changing the face of how the world drinks wine. In they fact, certainly are. For our next segment, we have assembled a group of millennials to really try to get down to the root of the dramatic change that are that is going on in the wine industry. Yeah. But before we do that, we need to discuss an important article written by Dave Spector called The Danger of Trying Too Hard to Be Hip with Millennials. I like how you're framing this whole episode today, Mark. Very nicely done. What have you got? In his article, Spector warns that many companies have gone too far in their efforts to seduce this generation and have ended up causing a millennial backlash. Yeah. For example, a company called Text Seller, or TXT Seller, (laughs) attempted to sell a wine line with labels such as L-M-A-O Pinot Grigio. I was waiting for that. O-M-G Chardonnay and L-O-L Riesling. Perfect. Millennials were not amused. Oh, 
They did not buy this wine because because I guess we're going to find out. Millennials don't like when there's obvious pandering to no, their. No, they do not. So we got We can't do that. <laughs> Remember that. I think we've lost this one already, oh, Mark. Boy. So here are some recommendations when marketing to millennials, according to Spectre. Oh. Don't make the mistake of committing emoji overload. <laughs> Go ahead and throw a few wine bottle or wine glass emojis, but not too many. I see. Because if you do too many, it's like, okay, these guys well, are Well, then really they're cool. on to you. Yeah, you know, it's people. like, it's like I'm hip. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look yeah. at me. Yeah. Oh, you're like 60 years old, man. They all become very transparent. Don't go crazy with the hashtags. Mm. Like, hashtag the wine fellers, hashtag I love wine, hashtag look at my wine tan, hashtag <laughs> it's wine vine time, <laughs> hashtag wine goddess. <laughs> don't. I've seen, yeah, I've seen this, this done before. Yeah. A couple of hashtags, don't go nuts. No. Then, because if you are, you're being just too transparent and you turn off that generation. Wow, it's like the uh, the modern day marketing is just so sophisticated. You're like playing chess against another chess player that's also playing chess chess against a different wine player. Yeah, I think we're all playing checkers. Don't <laughs> try to go out of your way to engage in millennial speak. On, so, on a personal note, Joe, oh although boy. I find this particular recommendation adorbs, I can definitely feel that. <laughs> It hits you right in the feels, doesn't it? Yeah. Mark, uh, I am all of a sudden, as you're going over these rules for yeah. millennials and how to not get caught like being an old guy standing in a room full of millennials, Right. Uh, I'm getting a little nervous about this panel coming on. I know. Uh, I think this, oh, here's the last uh, recommendation, according to Spectre. Don't generalize millennials as all thinking in the same way. A good example of this will be how they will be portrayed uh, in the millennium, millennial panel during our next segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is so. This is such a, a, a backwards article that you're re referencing here. He's saying, "Don't treat all millennials like this." Or like that. Right, but then he goes ahead and says, yeah. Treat them this way. Right. Because they all want to be treated that way. Right, but you know, you read this article, and it sounds like exactly like you're saying. A, like a 60-year-old guy, nothing wrong with <laughs> 60-year-old guys, like forming his opinion of what millennials want based, <laughs> <laughs> based on uh, nothing. Mark, I, I feel like part of the lost generation here where you mentioned at the beginning that the upper range is, is 38 for millennials. Is that right? Right. And so I just crossed that edge. Oh. Okay. Good for you. But, but I guess if it was written maybe last year, yeah. then I'm still in the pocket. Oh, yeah. I don't want to say when it was written, but that's interesting because you're seen right, to, right on the threshold. So in some ways you can speak for the millennial generation, but for other, <laughs> for other things you speak for whatever generation. Whatever came before that. I guess Generation X. Generation X. So we were known X. as a Slack. We no, were, Generation Y. What was it? X, Y, or also known as Generation Whatever. Is that right? You know, the shoegazing sort of Nirvana punk kids oh okay yeah sure <laughs> well, we should really do i don't really fit in with we, them either so we should I... really do our homework before uh, uh talking about things we just don't know anything so, about yeah <laughs> we have millennials on and boy do they look young for being raised in the 1920s right <laughs> wait <laughs> when but, was the millennial generation but i think you know millennials are supposed to have more in common with uh generation well like my generation grew up in the 80s i think yeah am i right 
<laughs> we really should do our homework. So, oh boy, oh boy. So oh later boy, on in oh the boy. show, we we can't. We if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Wine Fellers. Later on in the show, uh, coming up soon, we're going to have a panel. A panel of wine-drinking millennials. And in gonna, fact, they're getting ready in the other room right now. They're getting ready in the other room, and they're going to tell us what we're doing wrong. Yep, what, yep. What they're doing right, and uh, oh, <laughs> which, golly. Is, which is fine. <laughs> I want to be told what I'm doing wrong. Yes. I mean, I know I'm doing something wrong. And uh, what it is that about their generation that's turned the wine-drinking industry on its head, because it really has. We, we are having them here in just a few minutes to enlighten us as to how we can become better wine drinkers and those who appreciate wine. So, Mark, <clears throat> I have another way we can enlighten people out in the world right now. How's that? Well, it's by opening up our giant musical archives ah. and pulling out a song from... Uh, days gone by. All right. We're superheroes, the dynamic duo. You're my alter ego, like Green Hornet and his palpito. Hand in hand we fly together over weather To our home under the Carolina moon We have a chicken named Salmonella She lives outside under the starry midnight blue She soars with us on our long journey Carrying JJ Jasmine and Bella the Cockapoo Climb over mountains, glide over rainstorms You view the good in others when it is lost on me you are like my headlight in the darkness Revealing what has been long hard to see
Rusty watching an indie. Eating a gourmet pizza off a tabletop Pac-Man. Netflix and chilling, learning new information. Searching DuckDuckGo for gluten-free rolls. Putting some sriracha on my Cajun miso. We're using our emojis to help those with Lyme disease. Every time we take a selfie, we'll help free the Sudanese. Selfie, 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 selfie. Selfie, 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 stick. Selfie, 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 selfie. So, Mark, as we get into the millennial panel, wine panel of the wine fellers today, I think we should go around. We've got everyone in the studio here. Okay. Um, And I wanted to go around and just for our listening audience. I think you should. Introduce the folks we have here today. We have five people on our panel and take it away and let us know who's here today. Well, first here on our left, we've got Denise Feinstein. She's a recent college graduate and cat enthusiast. This is great already. She plays competitive ultimate Frisbee and in her free time tries to coach old white people on how not to be racist. After four years of amateur wine consumption, she looks forward to refining her palate and learning new terminology to sound sophisticated at parties. So, Denise, welcome to the show. And then we have Franzia, okay? Yay. Franzia. Or is it Franzia? Uh, I think it's Franzia. All right. (laughs) Recently graduated from a cold northern liberal arts university with a degree she will most likely never use. She is not supposed, uh, she is not opposed, now th- this is very important here, Mark, she is not opposed to mixing cheer wine and sangria I together. Uh-huh. I've heard this before. And enjoys taking pictures of people who like taking long walks on the beach. Oh, that's nice. That sounds interesting. Yeah. In her free time, you can usually find her knitting in public places or asking to pet strangers' dogs. <laughs> we have Meredith Lowe. She's a recent graduate planning to attend graduate school in order to continue avoiding real responsibilities and so that one day she can afford a nice bottle of wine that will make her friends feel mediocre. Sweet. Isn't that what every wine drink wants to do? That's good, yeah. In her spare time, she enjoys finding the perfect Instagram filter for her coffee and voicing strong opinions about things she knows little about. I'm good at that. (laughs) We do that like every day on this show. Um, She has thrown a Frisbee once, just so you know, and it was not for her. Hmm. Mel Beck is a recent college graduate and aspiring tech entrepreneur whose life's ambition is to make the world a better place as long as he gets rich in the process. All right. You like how I did that one? That's good. All right. His hobbies include awkward, prolonged eye contact. I think he's locked into you right now, Mark. Uh, With people he doesn't know. Well, wait, he does know you. And making fun of people who play ultimate. Uh Uh-oh. So, finally, Don Burgundy is a breezy fellow. With an appreciation for sweet bass lines, zesty burritos, and the hoppiest of beers. This is, this is my kind of guy right here. Right. Occasionally, Don makes uh, lame jokes and plays video games. I mean, he likes zesty burritos, so how bad can his jokes be, right? He graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, works in a public health research setting. He hopes to go back to school soon, but will settle for Vino 101. If it comes with an honorary PhD. Now, that was a mouthful, Mark, and we'd like to welcome our panelists. We're so glad you're here today. Thank you for being here. Um, Thank you for having us. So, if you're just, thank you. If you're just joining us in the Winefellers, 
uh, we have a millennial wine drinking panel, and we're going to ask some questions about why they've turned the wine industry on its face. And my first question is I'm going to be asking Fran Zia. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, thank you for helping us put together our millennial wine panel. Uh, in your bio, you mentioned you enjoy drinking cheer wine in sangria. And this is a great way to start off the conversation. Uh, today, millennials are consuming more wine than any other generation. And to us, the wine you are drinking is scary, <laughs> weird, and exotic. Cheer wine, man. I know. Why are you bucking the thousand-year tradition of wine drinking? What does your generation know that we don't? Well, I think it's what's available to us. So now you talked about before how markets are opening and people are offering new and exciting things to our generation. And so it's up to us to try them and to say if they're really terrible or not. And it was kind of terrible, but it also was kind of interesting. And so I kept drinking it. Well, that's, so how, how, how were you in, introduced to wine? Is it something that you kind of picked up on your own or is it something that was introduced to you in your family or while you're at college or you know, what was your experience when you started drinking wine? Well, my family definitely drinks a lot of wine. Um, and so it's something that was around the dinner table when I grew up, but there are a lot of people in our generation where wine is a new and frightening thing. And so it's, it's very easy to go into a liquor store and see something that has a very exciting label and just pick it up and try that. Now, is that what's going on? And I mean, you know, anyone can jump in at this point. Is uh, when you're choosing a wine, is it based on the label, like Franzia is saying? Is are you are you choosing wine based on some other uh, metric? Uh, oh, the packaging is extremely important. Mm -hmm. The pa packaging is very good. Okay, so by the way, this is uh, Denise Feinstein, Feinstein or Feinstein, Feinstein, Feinstein talking, and uh, she. Uh, so when you look for a nice bottle of wine, you're going by pretty much the label. When you're looking for the label, what are you what are you looking for? Yeah, to be honest, the words don't really matter. It's all about what's on the label. Uh, you got If you got some pretty flowers or something, I'm definitely going to be picking that up. Uh, a uh, giant rooster. Yeah, something like that. You know, it makes it look interesting. Right. Okay. And like, and, and as she said that, everyone around the table here was nodding. Okay. Well, so, yeah, do you guys do, do our other panelists have any great uh, wine labels they've 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 purchased because of the way it looks? I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, the label matters. Honestly, the words, I don't necessarily understand what the words may mean on a bottle of wine, to be honest. Oh, and same I, here, yeah. I won't know, like, necessarily taste-wise what I'm getting. So, I mean, if you have an exciting label that, like, looks pretty cool, you can, like, have it on your counter, have people comment on it, be like, hey, that's an awesome bottle of wine with an awesome label. Yeah. You know, conversation starter right there. Plus, it becomes so. decoration later on. Oh, yeah. What's like, that's what's, important. Yeah. So, yeah. it's not only something you drink, but, like, it's kind of like... Uh, a trophy afterwards oh, yeah. to put on your mantle. That's very cool. I like that. What did, what did you think about the first story, if you were able to hear the, the uh, our, our story in the green room about the blue wine? Is that something that be that interests you if you saw a bottle of blue uh, dyed wine? Is that? It would definitely catch my eye. Yeah. I don't know if it would... Like make its way into my shopping cart, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, well, that's that's interesting to know. So, so blue wine is uh, something that you you look at, but maybe just kind of consider. But it yeah. would need a nice label, Mark. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, what else besides a label? What? Okay. <clears throat> what if they you take an ancient winery mm -hmm. and you put an updated label on it? Oh, okay. And this is a good question. Why are these? Question. Why aren't these old? 
people who apparently make good wine. Yeah. Updating with the times. And is this like, is this a way that the current, your generation can say, look, man, if you're not going to give us what we want, like a nicer looking label, for example, right. on some great wine, we're not going to, we're going to go somewhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. Would, uh, what are some other, I guess, hurdles to trying some of these wines that Mark uh, and I here are so great? I think a major thing, especially, I mean, uh, the panel here, we're all 21 to 23 years old, so we don't have a lot of money right now. And so the bigger uh, the bottle yeah. and the cheaper it is, that's what we go for. And so I think it's it's approachability to the label mm-hmm. via price point. I, and I think, you're, I think that's a great point. I think wine can get pretty pricey, especially when you're talking about French Burgundies or Bordeaux. Oh, man, like $1,000 a bottle. Easy. Yeah, easy. And so people are not, that's not something that, you know, we had well, to that's not nothing. We, that's something we've never had. Well, I mean, I know you've been to some tastings and you've had those. Well, if someone else is pouring, I'll drink it. Sure. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but what about the idea that uh, when you're looking for a wine, what's more important is uh, not so much how the wine tastes, but like a good story, a good backstory about the wine, about, you know, something that catches your eye about, you know, it was from Croatia and it was made mm. by monks or, you know, things like something like that. Is that is there a credence to that? Well, probably a good bit. I remember one time I um, I ended up. And this is Mel Beck, by the way. Yeah, Mel Beck, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I remember picking out one wine because there were like almost dozens and dozens to choose from. And this one was made by Dave Matthews. Of course, it wasn't actually made by Dave Matthews. You right. I've like, heard of this wine. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And uh, that was enough to tip the scales to me to buy that wine because it was a you know comparable price and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I guess the story there definitely made an impact when I bought it. Well, that's a great point. We've had other uh, celebrities, like lots of movie stars. Well, we had the uh, one of the singers in, in Devo yep. uh, a few weeks back. Uh, we interviewed him because he has his own wine. We right had now, uh, and, uh, Dan Marino, his wine, uh, mm-hmm. him and, and his buddy uh, Harang on the show. That's right. And uh, and they're doing the very same thing that you just described. They're, they're buying wine, mm-hmm. and they're putting a label and their name on it, and it works. It does. That's interesting. So what we have in front of us is uh, I thought we'd do a little bit of a Finally, wine. I thought we'd never get to the part I, where we drink, Mark. I thought we'd do a little bit, uh, just a, a, a short wine tasting. Uh, in one glass, we poured a Franzia, uh, a Merlot. And Franzia <laughs> is, a, is a special wine. We need some refills over there. <laughs> oh, okay. I like this. Please I like come. this. <laughs> Franzia is a special wine in a oh, box. Man. Uh, that uh, anyone can uh, can can buy uh, at yeah, Walmart or sure. wherever, and and it's uh, it's you get a lot of bang for your buck. This is a five liter box. And if you've Mark. ever played the game uh, Slap the Bag, which was introduced to me during a previous show, mm-hmm. then uh, then uh, this wait, would probably wait. wait, wait. wait they, they're saying great game. They've done this before, Mark. <laughs> it's a game. Who, who here can tell us a Slap the Bag story? Oh man. Um. <laughs> Well, you know, actually, this was probably my first experience um, drinking wine because I didn't come from a, a wine drinking family at all. And when I got to college, um, went to a went to a party, and there was this bag of Franzia floating around the the party, almost yes. like you know crowd surfing. And every time somebody grabbed That's the bag good. and like started, one person was courteous enough to hold the bag, and then the other one would uh, you know deplete it into their own mouths. But in the process, <laughs> you had to slap the bag. Like that was the rule. Like if you were going to yeah. drink the frothy, you had to slap the bag. Slap I don't know. Bag. It's just like it's the thing to do. You know? Well, oh, evidently, awesome. hey, we have a Franzia bag right now. I know. <laughs> and we should play slap the bag, man. We should. And it seems to be a real popular hashtag on Twitter. Is that right? Well, I'm just 
saying hashtag. Oh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> so in one glass we have Franzia. In the other glass, uh, I poured a nice Pinot Noir, a Dellinger from uh, a 1999, and I thought we'd try both. And you kind of see, like, is, do you prefer one or the other? Is it something that whatever wines? Well, which wine? one are we starting with, Mark? Well, uh, I forget which is which. Honestly. The Franzia is the little uh, p- more pink yes. or purple. The Franzia is the deep, deeper purple one. Yes, so that's let's what try it, that's that. What it looks like all right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't want your thoughts on it, Mark. I can see your thoughts on it. Yeah. Millennial panel, tell us your opinion of the Franzia we're having. Out of all of the Franzia flavors, I think it's sweet red, sunset blush, Merlot, and maybe a Chardonnay. I think this is definitely the most wine-like. <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't. My, my problem was I shouldn't have picked a Merlot. Okay. Well, that that's good to know. Um, so I think <laughs> I bought I, 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 pair, I brought I bought some foods for our millennial guests that they so they can uh, try it with the Franzia <laughs> and You're I got nut, man I got some Doritos and I got jacked flavor. Well, tell them what it is. It says it right under ranch it. dipped hot wings Doritos. Now, Mark, explain <laughs> your pairing uh, uh, logic here. Well. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to pander <laughs> to millennials. And in my mind, this is what millennials eat. Oh, my gosh. So, mm. uh, all right. I will have to have one of these. Boy, that flavor is on, uh, on 11 there. This is a very uh, orange Dorito. Mm. So many layers. Mm. <laughs> so complex. So That's a lot. Wow. To me, I mean. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so this Franzi, I mean the Franzi Merlot is definitely drinkable. No, but it has to me it kind of has a bubblegum flavor, kind of a hubba bubba flavor. I guess so. I mean, but for Franzia, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's not. It's like there is something in it that kind of makes it a little. There's like a thickening agent. Yeah, I would say. I don't know if they it's add, a little like. I wonder uh, if they add sugar to this, but I don't know. No. But um, it's sweet. I could drink this. I could. Ooh, it's actually good with that chip. Yeah, well, that's why I paired it with Jack. Well, it's nice because it gets that horrible uh, buffalo ranch flavor yeah. off oh. your tongue. Well, that, that chip is not, no, that's no good. Okay, so, <laughs> so uh, thoughts, any other thoughts on the Franzia about how it tastes, or is that something you would you drink at home? I mean, in a word, drinkable. That's it's it's drinkable? I, I think so. Very, yeah. very grape juice, I would say. Mm-hmm. Goes so, down, goes down. So, uh, Meredith, um, so, uh, so is this something you would have in your refrigerator? You think uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Merlot? Um, I mean, it's definitely possible. I would say it would definitely be uh, something I could afford at this moment, right. and uh, it gives you a lot. And I mean, if I can choke it down, <laughs> then you know, <laughs> still red wine at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's good, Mark. That's good. I could drink this. Okay. Here's my only thing: is like, and uh, is I. Don't know if I would serve this to guests, yeah. only because I wouldn't want them to be like a box of wine. If that was in a glass bottle, I think I'd be a little more proud of it. Oh, I know you, Joe. You would take that that box and you would <laughs> fill up. You a would glass funnel bottle. it into a glass bottle. <laughs> so when the, the millennial pan, panel here, when you talk about having some wine in your fridge, um, are you turned off by having it in a box, or does it really not concern you? There's definitely a respectability factor here. Um, Even for college kids, everyone knows not to have Franzia. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay, well, that's good to know. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Um, Except for on a few 
occasions where you Special need to be uh, very cost effective. Okay, like a party or something. I get it. It's like the bush light of wine. Okay, totally. well that's good to totally. know. I didn't know how it was perceived with you know college age kids and things like that. So that that's good. Now the other. So let's try our other wine, the De- Dellinger 1999. It's a Pinot Noir. It's not Merlot, but it's a different wine. I like this wine. All right. So do we perceive a difference with uh, how's this one taste? Well, your mine has a lot of cork in it. Okay, <laughs> but that was my, that was my fault. All right, I got a little cork in there. I think it's good. I think it's you, a little more acidic. So you don't like it as much. I do. You do. I love this wine. Okay. I think it's delicious. Okay, but the millennial panel will be the final judge of it, Mark. What do you guys think? I mean, I I enjoyed it quite a lot. I mean, it actually tasted like wine instead of the Franzia. Okay, so. Don Burgundy. Uh, it doesn't taste like anything I've had before or okay. recently. Okay. Interesting. An interesting new thing for me. But this is something you wouldn't mind drinking. You would, right. you know. Okay. Okay. So this, you know, this wine isn't terribly expensive, but it's, but I mean. And our our lady panelists, any thoughts? Franzia is sort of like a Dionysus filled party drink, and right. this is a very nice night out with friends or family or a significant other. Or a nice steak. A nice steak, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so we're making the distinction of different wines during different, different and, events. And their, their taste palette is a little more sophisticated, Mark, than these jacked Doritos <laughs> potato chips. You hear that? I think a so. Steak. I, I think That's so. brilliant. I was, again, I was trying to pander to them. But, uh, <laughs> and, and what, but what about that? I mean, what about the fact that, um, you know, advertising agencies, marketing firms, everybody, and I'm not kidding, everybody is going crazy trying to get into the mind yeah. of the millennial because they feel that they can't. There's that the, it, that for once, a, there's a generation that just doesn't make sense. It's not following the rules. I mean, do you get the sense that, that marketing firms are really gunning after you and really trying to appease you? And do you need maybe examples of that? Um, I think it's it's hard for our generation because I think people are pandering to us so much that we don't really know what we want at this point. Um, and so there's there aren't any clear distinctions. So there's a microbrewery down the road and they have a really amazing beer that's only available for 24 hours. So you have to go there and try it. And then down the street, there's a food truck right. that you go to and they have a special that's only available for two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And so everything's so seasonal for us. I see. Now, so and now you just... I guess maybe that you're more uh, jacked into um, oh, please, Mark. into social media than um, than uh, um, my generation probably, and so you probably uh, that's a definite yes there, Mark. <laughs> well, yeah, and so you know when I'm thinking about like what, what wines I like and, and things like that, I'm not looking to social media. I don't know if you guys you guys are, and I don't know if that's part of it. As oh well. yeah, like uh, might you ask like take a picture of some wines at a store and ask your friends. Hey, which one would you buy? How how often do you drink wine and then take a picture of of it after you've after you've had it? Every time. Every, Every time. time. Is that true? <laughs> well, essentially. But that but that's the thing. I mean, like my generation doesn't do that, and and that's an interesting thing to do is to actually drink a wine and then when you're done, take a picture of it, which makes why the label is so important because it has to be for a good yes. shot. Yes. And it's really, uh, I think it's kind of cool that. Uh, if you think of it as uh, millennials are sharing their experiences uh, more easily and and more often with friends through technology, stuff that that maybe we don't do as much, 
um, that I can understand why old uh, the old guard of the wine uh, producers have been caught off guard. That's right. It's totally different now. Um, that's true. Do you um, do you think that uh, that when you are, uh, are trying to buy something and then you don't, uh, do you feel like that uh, you're constantly uh, looking against your parents' generations, that you're trying to, is it something you're actively trying to do something that they're not doing or is it... Uh, is it my, my no my parents were old school wine collectors so I'm not going to be um not necessarily at least for me um my parents uh tend to drink a lot of wine around the dinner table and a lot of it is to me affordability mm-hmm. um I tend to just find a very cheap wine like yellowtail and kind of stick with it if mm. I like it right, so right. I'll always go for the yellowtail um <laughs> that's a great wine and then I I have nothing against yellowtail uh <laughs> obviously and um but whenever i have like a nice wine with my parents uh i will take that picture of it and try to remember it but it's it's not always available to me uh just right. at the moment so now w- and how do you feel about that i mean also about i mean let's face it um my generation the generation uh, older than me they are trying to stereotype they do stereotype millennials and the you know, stereotype of like not you know working as hard or not you know trying to uh find out uh you know information as much as other groups i mean is that something that that angers you is that ring true or is it uh wh- wh- how do you feel about that i feel like this is such a cyclical thing it happens with every generation it's yeah. perhaps just stronger with ours because everything sticks so if you put an article out there it's going to be on the internet you can google it mm. you can find it anywhere you can share it on facebook and so maybe it's just a stereotype that we're stereotyped so much because Good everything's point. so present in our social media lives i think that's a great point i think i if i grew up uh today i would just be scared i mean just because there's just so much information out there and then and then every time you post something you know who knows what's going to happen to it and you might get you know 20 thumbs downs or whatever happens <laughs> <laughs> on social media and uh you know thumbs it, downs well, yeah, that's what they call it mark yeah, i know but it's more of a, it's more of a frightening time i mean what do you think joe no i i think uh i think that you're fear-mongering here mark okay um it uh, and, and like uh uh fran zia said this is this happens every generation. Yeah. Okay. This, there's nothing new under the sun. That's true. They and said what, that about our generation. And what we, we're dealing with here is uh, people love to group people into little baskets and boxes, right? Yeah. And they call this Generation X and Y and, and Generation Me and the Millennials or whatever you want, right. you want to call them. But the fact of the matter is many – everyone is an individual, okay? Yeah. And, and so, like in our generation, some of us learn to become – wine lovers and some chose other interests right it's going to happen with each generation and i just love that the people who um you know if as a parent you always just you know what's what's best well right right. and it's the same with these people who've spent their lives collecting this these sellers of wine and i'll tell you why they're upset that uh the next generation is not buying is not buying it why because they want to sell that wine someday. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they're watching the value of their sellers That's true. go down year after year. And and they're like, 
all they're just throwing a fit. Why don't these kids like the wine I like? No, that's because I want to sell my wine for a million dollars in ten years. No, that's a lot of true. I think there's a financial interest in that. And I, that's I, my take on it. No, you're right, and I think, uh, um, but this really, truly is a, a generation of the first time that I've been alive that just doesn't doesn't care about what uh, previous generations have uh, consumed wine wise. Well, but, you know, uh, Mark said this, and you guys have already mentioned it, is like it's an experience. You're taking pictures of the wine. You're posting it on, on Facebook or Snapchat, whatever. And, uh, and then Mark brings to my attention that they brought, like, basically, like, the two wines we had just now, the Franzia, the cheap, cheap, cheap wine, mm. and then a nice Pinot Noir, you know, maybe, you know, a $100 bottle there. And so they bring this in. And uh, losing my train of thought here, Mark. Yeah, they would bring the. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna get there. No, but they but they the you know but it seems like the, you know the, people like anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is it. This go is ahead. It. Okay. It's all about the experience. It is right. So if you take a bad wine and put it in like an expensive bottle, research has shown. Yeah, this is real science. Yeah. And they give it to someone like in a fancy restaurant. Right. And with the live, uh, you know, orchestra playing or whatever, right. they love it. They just they're like, that's the best wine I've ever had. Right. And it's like, well, that was Franzia. Well, well right. And they, they can't tell. It's all about the experience. But I think this generation is the first generation that recognizes that. I think so. Yeah. I mean, look, we're just concluding for them here, Mark. Yeah. Right. We can't do this. them for their mouth. Yeah. Brands are very important. Um, there have been a lot of studies showing that people find pictures of people wearing branded clothing more attractive than them wearing the same article of clothing without the brand and so i think uh, it does it does play an important role right on purchasing power That's and true. so the we were the i guess the new generation of consumers and so we're looking for something that catches our eye because there's so much available to us and there's so much to look through on the internet and so we're just looking for something that has a great price point and has a catchy story and something that just sort of draws us in so denise feinstein why ultimate frisbee <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> well that has a long answer but uh for the short story uh i you know i always love sports and so it's got a great community and everything so i've stuck with it since my freshman year of college now i actually used to play ultimate frisbee when i was a kid mm. and uh um i was uh franzia told me that this sport is very different now that nowadays it's more of a contact sport yikes i know we uh it was more like a gentle tag when i was playing <laughs> that's right and <laughs> that's impressive i know and so uh so you know things are continuing on and franzia tell me what is it about cheer wine and sangria <laughs> that tastes so good together? I think Merlot and I can can talk about this because we actually we had this experience together, and I think yeah. uh, well it, it was an experience. And so we were at a restaurant, we were we we're looking to try new things, and lo and behold, there is cheer wine sangria on the menu. And right. what's not to love about that yeah. that name? That's right. That's, that's good. scary and new and I think I just the had conversation was like, should we try it? And yes. one of us was like, I think we have to. Like and and should we get a glass or should we get the pitcher? I guess we'll get the we, pitcher. <laughs> there are two of us. Now, Mer Lowe, is there uh, Meredith Lowe? Is there something to um, <laughs> now? I get it, Mark. Now you get it. <laughs> is there something to uh, posting a picture of your bottle and sort of like 
uh, uh, you're saying, I know you're joking, but making your feels feel friends feel mediocre, but just sort of like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, showing, hey, look what I'm doing. Is that a part of the experience of drinking nice wine? Um, I think maybe for some people, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, I usually just take the picture and post it as a way to remember it or just like show other people like, hey, I had this wine. Right. It's really good if you're like, you know, at the store the next time and like stuck and want to find you know, try something new, then like this wine was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, the mediocre thing is also important, but I mean. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 And Don Burgundy, is there something to the fact that maybe we're just, the fact that we're talking about wine is all wrong and we should just be sticking with hoppy beers? Uh, That's, I wanted to say something, yeah. You know, I don't really agree with that, but what I will say is that for beer at least, you know, you can go to any store anywhere and you can get any beer for less than most bottles of wine. It's got attractive labels. It tastes good. It may taste bad. But, you know, how much are you really investing in that? And there's a lot of different varieties to try and I understand what's what's in the bottle based on what's on the outside of the bottle. Is that right, Melbeck? Are we just, you know, maybe missing the boat? Maybe we should just be uh, uh, more concerned about beer and other drinks that we're not uh, consuming? <laughs> well, I've been on a few brewery tours. I've never been on a vineyard tour. So, I mean, I think that there's definitely like a, um, a pilgrimage point factor to the microbreweries and I know that there's a mm. lot more there's a lot of microbreweries around I don't know if it's always been that way that's right but the uh, at least when I you know started drinking there was always a like two or three microbreweries within a 30 minute drive from me and then not to mention like you go to somewhere like Asheville there's like you know dozens basically and um, yeah no I, I definitely would agree with uh, Don on this one I, I think that beer is probably my go-to um, and I you know I, I do appreciate a good beer I'm not a big on the hoppy beer but yeah yeah I think that is a good point because uh, you know going to a wine vineyard isn't uh, near ex- as exciting as going to a brewery we've been you know Joe and I've been to breweries together oh boy have we <laughs> and we just you know bide our time until we hit the tasting room <laughs> <laughs> and you know visiting a, a winery isn't the same they show you the grapevines and it's like oh I mean that's probably a lot of walking at oh, a, my God. a when, winery tour right well, this 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 tour does yes. end in a room where there's wine, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, we really appreciate you guys uh, coming, and uh, we hope that you come uh, come again because, uh, you know, we're really trying to figure out the millennial wine drinking community, and you guys have, have uh, helped us take in a very important step. Wouldn't you agree, Joe? I do. Thank you. I want them, I want them back. I want to uh, drink more wine next time. Yeah. <laughs> Slapping the bag. And uh, and I want them involved in our special projects, Mark. Uh, the Area 51 of the Winefellers. Remind me. Winery 51. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, know, we're doing just new projects of how to... Products, yeah, wine-related products. How to sneak wine into stadiums and things like that. We'll, we'll yeah. get them on that. I think that's what we want. I think they would enjoy that. Yeah, so thank you guys uh, for being here today. We hope you come back soon. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah. We're going to take the Franzio with us. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to another exciting episode of The Wine Fellers, North Carolina's only fine wine radio program. And I've had such a great time today, Mark. Me too, Joe. But the good news is is that the fun can continue online. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Visit us online at thewinefellers.com, where you can learn more about today's program and listen to previous shows. 
See you next week. Songs and melodies change and change and sway, but I still stay the same. The songs that we sung when the dark days come are the songs that we sung when we chased them away. If I ever found a pot of gold, I'd buy bottles untold of the nectar of the vines, cause I'm gonna die. With a twinkle in my eye Cause I sang songs, spun stories Love, laughed and drank wine Tomorrow is another day The cats are out to play, to play That old rusty spaceship wants to sail Into the Milky Way again On a river of red, red wine
Good evening, Hillsboro. It is